Hello, and welcome to Smiley's. Tonight, we are once again back with OSC, the fourth book in the Dolls of the Marvel Empire. This is our second episode, and we'll go from chapter 13 to the end. I'm joined by Mora. Hello, Mora. Hi, Lee. How are you tonight? I'm okay. How are you? I'm uh, doing good. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Just a spoiler scope for this will include the entire Book of the Fallen, plus the entire OST. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, did you enjoy your reread? I did, yes. Quite a lot, actually. OST used to be, yeah, OST used to be on my on my list in until I did the sale, and I think that is still true, and now I see why. So um, yeah, it's quite an enjoyable book. It's quite fun. There's a lot of um, well, we'll talk about this because we talked about it in the first episode as well. But there's a lot of cryptic stuff and vague shit that you don't quite get on a first read, mm-hmm. and there's quite a bit of foreshadowing for future books as well indirectly because well, the characters don't appear again, but some of the things brought up do. And it's just, it's very fun to, it's, it's a fun read. At the end of the day, it's a fun read because you know these characters, you've seen them before. Uh, it's clear that Ethelmont knows they're just not a lot because I think he created it anyway. Mm-hmm. And he really likes the setting. And just, um, it's nice to be back, you know? It's like, it's good to be back in the city for Blue Fire. Yeah. And, um, well, let's yeah. not get too far ahead of ourselves. How about you? Yeah, Blue Fire is like, you know, muted now, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, uh. Yeah, uh, my read was okay. I, I don't know. Of all the novels, this one was, you know, not at the top for me. I don't know why. I, I don't know. The segue and everything is interesting, but, you know, somewhere, something, there was a miss somewhere. I I didn't really enjoy it as much as the other books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. All right. Well, shall we get into the review then? Yes, yeah, sure. In depth. So, uh, did anything in particular stand out to you that you wish to talk about? Yeah, can we just finish it? Can we just dis, uh, explain what this almost now almost thing was? Okay. Because I right. finished so, the book and yeah, go on. <laughs> so I'm gonna go on about this in a slightly roundabout way. So we see that whoever this witch is, right? She appears. She lives in yeah. the town. She yeah. smokes a lot and stuff. And Crub uh, yes. visits her, right? Yes. Um. Now I have a question for you. We see hmm. the tyrants rise and we hear the call, right? And we see Morgan, who takes fairly drastic measures yeah, yeah. to stop herself from being, you know, cold. We see Baruch, who doesn't actually manage to stop himself and does get cold, and then the whole thing with Baruch and Al happen. And that leaves one, who we know to be the Rudinus. The who? The, the, the Rudin. The witch, uh, the witch of Stannis. Didn't, didn't she die? No. In gardens? Didn't... Wait. She's the last of the third of the three <laughs> members of the Gabal. Did... That's is that <laughs> and uh, if you read on the no, end of chapter she 21, asked, yeah, she, she mentions the name, she asks for her uh, hookah or something, yes. Why is she now, talking? You might, you might yeah. say, Why is she talking like this? Yeah, yeah. So, for one, the thing that she's probably mentioning is the tyrant's rise, and two, you may notice she is virtually permanently high in the book, <laughs> yeah. Now, the reason for this is actually <laughs> fucking hilarious because. The is reason she's Krupp? permanently high is because of Krupp giving her drugs, so she's so, so stoned she's... that the oh, fall doesn't actually beckon her to the tyrant. Oh god, then that's... <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that is one way. Why couldn't Vorker do this fun thing, you know? Why did she have to go through water-tired chains? <laughs> like, but, but still, you know, what does almost now mean? I like, think what, what... means yeah, um, she foresaw different events in the city. You know, like almost, uh, almost she's, and then the she's losing the high. Sorry, could it be sorry, also that? 
because it's like almost first almost like the tyrant arises soon because we see Eben near the civilian site. Then almost the ghoul arrive, almost Moran's arrive, almost crop deposes the tyrant. It's is there some relevance sort of each time she says almost like something plot related is happening side by side? Is that what's going uh, on? I think so, but it's more so like you know, um, there are a few situations in which she advises Krupp, like there is at some point where she tells Krupp to go find the Malazan, and then Krupp goes and finds Barathol and tells him that he is favored from Burn. Yeah. Because she is a witch of Tennis. And, um, so, so she is that witch in uh, Memories of I Life. think so, I think so. I, it, the wiki entry is different, but I think it's the same person, yeah. Okay. So Was there any way I could have guessed this? Uh, I mean, did you? Um, not the first time, no. No, 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 yeah. I didn't. Yeah, good. Yeah, but, that's good. She's like the only member of the Kabbalah like we don't see, and everyone knows her as a witch. You can kind of piece it together. I mean, assuming that you don't think that she's dead, let me. Assuming you don't think that she's dead, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the. To be fair, so... Ro didn't actually put it together either. When I told him like two weeks <laughs> after the fact, like, what the fuck are you serious? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh. So... Yeah, yeah. A lot of people miss it. It's actually one of my favorite bits about the book that she's so stoned <laughs> because probably supplying her with drugs. <laughs> No, no, that, that is the fun part, but this almost now still, you know, it doesn't really, anyway, I probably, I really will help, you know. Maybe. I mean, she's stoned as fuck, so she's just black and prophetic, <laughs> while stoned, so that's what we had most of. But those are very creepy scenes when Krupp visits her and they have all it these, is. you know. It is, Oh, it's, it's pretty creepy, yeah. No oh, fair city, the things I do for you, and stuff. <laughs> so, right, so he's an enabler, Krupp is an enabler here. That's it. I mean, he's a fence, right? That's his profession. <laughs> he's a fence for stolen I mean, goods. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally he puts down tyrants, but his yeah. day job is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now that right. we set that aside, yeah. Yeah. Next big question. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, I'm listening. I'm all ears. Oh, you. Okay. I go through my questions, right? So let's just finish Malakai. He's right. cut. I, is there any, okay. like, you know. Any point against him being Cutter? Well, let's see here. Cutter obtained the Silver Hounds. I'm going to start listing reasons about different things about Cutter. So there is no right. consensus in the. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard the theory a few times. I've shared it myself a few times. I'm not entirely sure if it is or isn't Cutter. I don't know if there's any authorial like discussion behind the scenes about who it is and why um, if it is or isn't Cutter. And I think it's mostly down to personal preference because I can see it being good if it isn't Cutter and I can see it being good if it is. So I haven't even reached a preference. I'm just reread. I'm not even sure if I like it being Cutter or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it tracks not, like, to be If you think yeah. about it, it would make sense because at the end of the crippled god, he appears in Ezra Khan with half Solar and with like a yeah. bunch of flowers and they meet together. So, so it would make sense. There? I don't remember. I don't think so. No, no. He, but again, it would so. make sense if he did. Right, yeah, yeah. So an offering from their like, you know, their yeah, from the story she said first, yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue I have with the theory is that a lot of Soul of the Hounds is essentially Crocus shedding the moniker of Cutter. Yeah. And so while Malachi has a lot of the skills that we see Cutter develop, like if you see, he has this knife thing where the knife just randomly appear in his hand. Yeah. Which we've seen Cutter do a lot. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to me that he would be so cold and nonchalant and just, you know, kill people because it tickles him purple or whatever. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think it would make sense for for him to go off and steal something from an artifact like that. Like Moonspawn is a big thing, and he'll just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead like two streets down and steal something from Chalice or whatever from the Trajan family. It's like a big thing. The spawns are a big thing. So the reason I have for it to not be gutter is because Malachi's story essentially boils down, like regardless of who it is. What Malachi's story boils down essentially is hubris against the gods because he went to Moonspawn, which is an ancient artifact which contains like thousands of years of um, treasure and loot and um, you know paintings and artwork and generally like, trinkets of anti civilization. And his first thought isn't preservation or like worship or what. It's just it's to defile the place. It's a steal. And mm-hmm. his reasoning, at least stated reasoning, is because he wanted to outdo a god. Because Absalar tried to do the same and failed, and so he would do he would outdo the mistress of Thieves. Uh, yeah. This could be figurative if it's Gutter, right, of course, because his girlfriend's in Absalar. Yeah, that makes sense. But you know, it could be literal if it's not Gutter. Maybe he was just there to find, you know, the gardens just for Absalar's sake. Mm-hmm. It was literal because he does find some some plants and stuff which are dead. The other thing is, if you notice, Gutter. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something about the um the gardens and um, how he would find yeah. them. And there was like, yeah. ah, I'll get to that in a second. So the other thing is we view Malachi almost exclusively through Ansi's perspective. Yeah. And Ansi, for one, Ansi is blind as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Two, you he really doesn't trust Malachi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he probably doesn't like him much. And so True. I think at some point, like we, thought, we said in the last episode, that he says, oh, he's a killer. And Corey just has like, when, when was the last time we said to kill someone? And yeah, then Ansel's like, oh, well, with the dogs. Well, yeah, of course you'd kill someone with dogs. When, you know, they're jumping him and they're like defenseless drunks or whatever. Here? Yeah. No. And so it kind of makes sense for it to be gutter. Then again, a lot of his abilities that order on magic are more difficult to explain. If it is, because gutter doesn't have any magical ability. Is that like really magical ability? Because We did you know... go over this, you know, about like how mm-hmm. he might have some alchemist stuff from Baroque or how like he... He just has shadow vision. He doesn't need alchemy anymore. Or that. I don't know. It's like up to you, really. Mm. But the bit about, you know, finding the wizard gardens and like seeing them being in ruin and then being disappointed, it it tracks with the theme of like being hubris, right? Because regardless of why he's here, this is still a sacred place you shouldn't be defiling for your own purposes. Mm. Maybe he doesn't look at it as, you know, uh, defiling. Perhaps not. he does very explicitly say he's here to steal, not like borrow or take or whatever. Because Absalar is the mistress of thieves, not mistress I of mean, It's garden. like a, a broken, washed up moonspawn. So who cares? Yeah. Nobody knows that anything is surviving inside. So. Well, check. That's fair. So it's, yeah. Fine. So, so we can conclude that it could be Cutter or it maybe isn't Cutter, and it doesn't really say it. It doesn't really tell us. But right. I like the theory. You know, if you want to believe Cutter, please believe it's Cutter because it's fun. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a I know a nice thing to think about that Cutter went all the way to Moonspawn just to check the story which Absalar has told him. Mm-hmm. So it feels uh, it feels you know it adds to the ending in Cryptogod. Yeah, that he took a quick detour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right, so that was Malakai, and we have made our choices. What about this yeah. other guy? The Mon fellow. I mean, I think said is Draconis, and I mostly it, it is Draconis. I do not want to hear anything. I don't that. think I don't know of any other candidate that it could be. I mean, Draconis was mentioned early on. We talked about it with Henry's reading. Hmm. 
Mother Dark after says, Adam. Yeah, yeah. He even says that he's committed somewhere else and he has to yeah, move quickly. Yeah, he's like a shadow of a shadow. Yeah. He's very yeah. weak. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to I don't think there's any debate here. But why do they have all these, you know, these weird names? I think Morn might mean something that we just don't know what it is exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the name clearly meant something Mother Dark, right? It wasn't to her, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she asked twice to correct, yeah. Who knows? So let's, um, before we continue, let's talk Tren, right? Tiren? It's Tiren, more specifically. So, so let's Tiren, talk about Tiren. Yeah. Tren. I like Tren. I don't know what to say, Tiren. Well, it's Tiren if you want to be a stickler like I am, because, you know, it's totally Tiren, T-U-L, and stuff, you know. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, so Tiren comes back, right? He gets his memory back. He follows Kiska, leaving behind Leoman, and they come all the way to the sea and wreck somewhere. Can we just take take a quick stop? How does Tiren communicate with Drek? He specifically says... He doesn't talk to her. That's not the way he communicates. So, yeah, go on. The confusing bit is, in the Bone Hunters, Drek killed her under priesthood, right? Yeah. So, there are no priests of Drek, except for Banashar and Spyfren. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, the snake, the Dragmanagal, is a manifestation of Drek. The what snake? The Ribby snake, Dragmanagal, the Kalanji children, Badal, Rut. Is that Zadik. supposed to be? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, so... It's basically a way for Drake to regain power because she doesn't have a priesthood anymore. Mm-hmm. Sort of like how what happens with the crippled god. Anyway, we're getting yeah, off track. Yeah. The point is, it's not clear, and the implication is since she jumped into the fucking pit, right? Which is as this creepy old lady was probably meant to be some manifestation of Drake or something. Something. Yeah. Uh, says the worm is essentially coiling at like the bottom of the world. It's the thing that holds the world together. Yeah. It's the bringer of seasons. It's like the harbinger of change, stuff like that. So what I imagine happens is he enters some sort of meditative state at the bottom of whatever the fuck he finds, mm. and there's some sort of discussion rather than, oh, hi, hi, and, you know. <laughs> but then again, a lot of drink festivals in Kirtul are weird. If you've read like the Paul of the Bone Hunters, or well, I think that House Landing deals with that a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, like there's a lot of like I think Hallie mentions orgies in at some point in uh, Bone Hunters. So there's a lot of weird shit going on. So I wouldn't be surprised if something sinister is going on with Dyson. Uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wouldn't call it sinister, but yeah, that's you know a different way of communication between priests and the goddess. Yeah. Or god, I don't know. Drake could be a god in some places, isn't it? Drake is both. Yeah. Just like. Uh, I think this is a nice thing we do. No, no, we can't yeah. go to Krell yet. So, like, so this station at the end, whatever he does, he sacrifices himself and looks different and all that. Mm-hmm. He has absorbed Krell inside him. And so this is like a manifestation of Krell and Tishran mm-hmm. at the same time, is what I think. So, I brought this up before. And uh, what I think is happening is, in the start of the Crippled God, Krell has to make some plans. He meets with males, being such a boric. He sets up the whole thing. He asks the dragon to do the thing so the warrants will fall apart or his away. Mm-hmm. And then he changes the female. And then he manifests Nurjistan because blood has been spilled in the temple. And the thing is, if Korabash is loose and gets within any distance of Krull, Krull's gonna die. Right? I mean, he already has the problem, or she, I guess. She already has the problem of uh, Kamen Saad's poison running through her veins all the time. 
She's already weak as hell. She's basically permanently bleeding, figuratively and literally. She's not going to be able to withstand, in her current state, Karamas' influence. And so, Patron needs to be called up, who is probably the most powerful mage in the whole generation. Say for, like, I don't know, Beaker Sin, if you want to count them, but Patron is much more collected and capable. And more versed in, like, the mystical arts, because he's, like, the only person that entertains these ideas. Is, yeah, there's, like, a mystical side to the, the manipulation of Warren. Um, and so... Are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, and so, Station essentially has to step up and assume the mantle of the God of the Warren in order to keep the cycle going, in order to keep Krull alive. And uh, that's why Krull changes to female. There's another, there's more reason to say that. That's the main significant reason as to why Krull is female, because something is going to happen to, it, to her that's going to change her fundamentally. And, um, and, the question is, at this point, is how much of this did Tayshran see and how long ago? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the Bone Hunters, he talks to Frank, okay? Mm-hmm. And like, there's this whole uh, scene with uh, Shadow Throne at the end in which he goes, like, um, I can just leave you to the war and she'll kill you. And like, yeah, well, no, she's not going to kill me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I talked her out of it. God damn it, how I hate you. And so... <laughs> yeah. And then we have Return of the Crimson Guard in which he just stands aside and does nothing. And as Cal steps into the picture to challenge him and say, what the fuck are we doing? Fight me, you coward. He tells him that, what's the quote, Mora? The absolute powers. Uh, absolute power. What leads into powerlessness or something. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And what could be more absolute than the attainment of being the god of the horns? So something needs to change. And that something is Senaj. He needs the other guy. Because... I think the name that he's given, Senaj something, so I don't know exactly what it is, which means gift of creation, yeah, isn't yeah. an accident. It is not just a gift from creation. He has the gift of creation. Mm-hmm. He can create the warrants. He can give life. He can grant his gift to Chorus so that he can make that visitor as well. Yeah. Tyshrin, essentially, after his world endeavor and after he becomes Senaj and after he returns because of the whole machination of the Frist, he is absurdly powerful yeah. and he is the only person that can see this through he says so to Kiska like this is only I can do this right and this is something I should have done a while ago and so he goes to the inner sanctum of Krull's temple meets with Krull merges with her and becomes a new god of the Warrens. and I think and this is an important bit that the Krull that we see at the very end when Heboric wakes up to bring Korabas into the the barrow yeah. under the ocean that's Ren okay but that's my not, it, that's not the name that is used there, is it? Uh, no, they don't, they don't name drop. He says he's cruel, but I, well, it wouldn't match, you know. Right, yeah. So that's what I was curious, whether the, the name Trend comes back again or... Right. But yeah, that makes sense. So that's what I think of Trend. So I think from what you said, you basically agree with me. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that totally makes sense because that's the only reason he had to, like, you know, be brought back. And that's why the Queen of Dreams and everyone is involved to get him back. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I, I, it would have been fun to have more of him later on, you know, as the series goes, to see more of him. But yeah. I think okay. he's going to be important, right? I think he's going to be fairly important, seeing as he's the literal god of the Warrens now, you know. The, the remaining two books, are we going to see Trend? Uh, no, because they mostly happen in concurrence with OST. So, well, except for a sale. Oh. A sale is oh. mostly, yeah, yeah. But no, not yet. Okay, done. So we finished Trend. <laughs> I so, um, 
Yeah. Do you have something to bring up? Oh boy, if I bring up the Morans and the Segula, we're never going to stop. So do you have anything else to bring up? Yeah, yeah, I that? do. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, the last time we spoke, I was uh, sort of disappointed about Scorch and Left. Like, I was asking, what's the point of them? Yeah. Why do they exist and all that? But yeah, turns out they are, uh, they are very necessary. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see that there was some point to have there. Because after a point, they got boring and, uh, you know, sort of... I mean, how long can you keep reading about two people being being so annoyingly dumb? But yeah, it was fun because ultimately they are the ones who took down the tyrant, isn't it? Yeah. Regardless of all the other things that happen. With the service so, of that. Traffic the, the Yeah. So this is the whole thing, right? Because Krupp and Baruch have saved up pieces of Dragnipur in you know safely. And then Krupp steals it, gives it to Humble Measure and Baratol, and they forge these crossbow um, arrowheads or something. And mm-hmm. that's what Scott and Left used to take down the tyrant. Mm-hmm. So yep. this is the whole thing. So this is fun to put together, you know, the whole thing is behind the scenes. All yeah. you see is the, you know, what, what happens, but you don't know exactly how this whole thing is happening. So that is fun to read. Scotch and left. Okay. Wow. Um, do you want to tell me what the, uh, what do you call the automaton thing is? Uh, it's, you'll learn in the first chapter of Blood and Bone. So. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. Then, then it's okay. First chapter. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Shall we go to the Morant? Okay. All right. So... Oh boy. Uh, I would hear your impressions first before we go off in a wild tangent. Regarding uh... both of them. I don't know. Okay. So so right. So we find out. I mean, we had some idea about about their origins and stuff when we spoke for the first episode. So right. So the Morant and the Segula have some kind of history, right? So they have been uh, neighbors, or probably you know, are they from the same clan or something? No, they were just no. neighbors. The Sagula are a creation of the tyrant, so no, they're not neighbors. Right. So, uh, basically, the tyrant and whatever his army and everyone have chased away the Morant from from the dwelling plains, and so they have to retreat up their mountains, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I don't know. After all these years, they have somehow domesticated the quolls, and they've improved their alchemies a lot. So they're at a different level now, and these guys have no idea the tyrant and the Sagula and everyone. They really have no idea about you know what's happening with the Morant. Which is, you know, sort of like a recurring theme. Things change and people differ throughout Malazan. Uh, especially, I don't know, I keep coming back to Crimson Garden, their uh, irrelevance as time goes on. So, right, here things have changed and, uh, you know, instead of uh, fleeing the plains, the Morant have uh, every capacity to come back and, you know, take over the Pujistan if they want. So, right, so once the tyrant is up, uh, Galin mentions it nicely like there is uh, no quarter given there is not going to be any negotiation the tyrant just wants to chase us away and so we are going to kill him first isn't that her her stand that they are not even going to wait and see whether they are winning or losing or anything so that's the Morant and yeah the Segule is yeah it's quite sad so you were right Jan and Paula they were the they were the couple not not Mock and Paula like I thought uh, so Am I jumping too much? Should we stay? Is there something more oh, with the Moran? No, it's fine. It's fine. We do have the the Malazan Segule uh, fight with the Morant coming in with their uh, air force and bombing the shit out of the Segule. That that was extremely sad to me. Wow, Jesus. Yeah. 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 I cried actually. But, and we see everything through Bend and the Butcher, isn't it? Oh, that yeah. boy's uh, arc is so well done. It's you know I didn't even like notice that he's changing so much and by the end he becomes like a proper veteran, isn't it? 
mm-hmm. he just says all the same to us soldiers it's just another day of soldiering and all that hector's uh, death yeah that oh god all the deaths were quite sad isn't it we had so few deaths and they were each one was quite sad and they're all fucking completely glorious right if you think about it, like there's Stepan gearing up for like a last stand to buy them time and it just gets eviscerated in 20 heartbeats. Oh god, yeah. You oh, have Hector who just dies pointlessly. You have Sagula also die pointlessly because the monsters are just bait. Like the Malamans are simply like, there. Sacrifice Dan, yeah, 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 yeah. Like every death in this book is meant to be glorious and sad and poignant because this is what this book is about, really. That these two yeah. peoples are locked in a millennium long war and for no reason. Because of the machinations of one tyrant, right? Yeah, there's not not going to be any like winners or losers here, right? Because it's yeah. all right. mm-hmm. they're just destroying each other. So yeah, so the whole anything more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to continue with that. Yeah, sorry, but that's sorry. fine. Yeah, the whole uh, Benton's story uh, point of view. Because have you noticed that Esselmon writes these young naive characters going through this? I have. Yep. Transformative arcs, which are... Yeah, you know, there's Kyle, there's Sof, there's Benjamin. Yeah. Even Kiska from, you know, Kiska, from Night of Knives. These are really good. I, I know I should keep a watch out for characters like that, you know, who start out. Because I thought this is some some annoying little know-it-all type of soldier boy and all that. But yeah, this, this is a good arc to follow. I think it's about time, unless you want to touch upon them, like uh, more of like Yusek, because we haven't talked about Yusek yet. Yusek and Sal, oh yeah, they, I, I think I told you this even, you know, last time. But you did show them last time, yeah. They did, yeah, I mean, they are together, so win-win for me. Yeah, I'm sure. They're, they're fun to to read. And I always like, it's always fun to, you know, have these military training things and all that. Like, she's taught how to, you know, her stance and her, uh, you know, just, just the whole military, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, the training thing, like karate kit or something. I, I find it very fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on. That's my point. So yeah, what I wanted to say is like if we're gonna talk about the Sagula, it has mentioned that um. Yes, finally, because yeah, last time we was oh, it was hard not to <laughs> bring him up. Yeah. So yeah, so I knew that Traveler is the Sagula first, right? Before I started the book, and I assumed he's going to like kill the tyrant <laughs> and become the first. <laughs> that was my working theory, and yeah, this is uh, much better, much better than <laughs> what I thought of. And, you know, yeah, go on. So I have to say, Dastan becoming the first is probably, like, one of my favorite endings to any character. Okay. Is that why you were so disappointed that I knew? Because yes, I honestly, was completely yes. thrown. I thought this was the way it's going to happen, that he's going to, like, actually challenge him and kill him and all that. But, you know, this is just politics, isn't it? He it's gets the mask. Like... I mean, sort of, like, it's offered to him and then he is offered, you know, it was sort of like that. Sorry, uh, go on. Well, I think we talked about this last time, how like this mask was the first, is only offered, not taken, or like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason I really like it is because Dasam is the only person that can drive the Sagula die. Jan is one, but Jan is the second, and Jan has a certain mentality that just doesn't work. Yeah. He can't bring the Sagula back. He's too guilty. He well, feels too guilty. Too much self-loathing, too much, um, He's... you know, too much second mentality. Yeah. yeah uh, too sorry. much of that. Yeah. Basim is the only person that can bring them back, and Jan realizes that, and that's what makes Jan one of my favorite characters from OST. Definitely, and yeah. This ending is awesome because finally, finally, Basim <laughs> can be at peace. Yeah. The Sagula yeah. can have peace. They can find their own identity that isn't reliant on being slaves and servants. And god damn it, I can point to this <laughs> ending and say, stop <laughs> saying Basim is like, like, for one, he is the best sword fighter, period. But yeah. 
the reason I really like OST is because, well, one of the reasons, there's many, but one of the reasons I really like OST, especially the Segula um, thing, is because it really points out how pointless pissing contests in regards to who the best swordsman in Amazon is, how pointless <laughs> they are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We shouldn't compare to Segula, like, how good a swordsman, like, oh, this guy could certainly beat Tool and, like, Nassim could beat Drake in a day, or, like, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. I agree, These people yeah. were literally created. They were slaves to the tyrants. They are his anvil and his blade. It destroys enemies. They are his executioners. They are created yeah. to serve. And you're comparing them with the thing, like, why? Why? <laughs> Did you miss the whole point of the book? <laughs> yeah. It's and weird. yeah, I'm quite passionate about this matter because I really like Jan and his sacrifice is a big part of why I think this. Well, I was not expecting that. I really thought, you know, till the end he's doing this. When he says he has to destroy a friend, mm-hmm. at some point I thought maybe he's like going to like cut down Gal and he feels guilty that he was going to kill the third or something. Yeah. The bit where he says like where he charges like twenty morans and then says like, Oh, I'm still alive. I'm yeah. That fucked me. That killed yeah. me. That was just god damn it. I know. Yeah. And it's all told through this uh, this hundred isn't and it? And then it all gets worse because the need dies for real and <laughs> uh, I hate Cameron. I hate this book. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear this feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so if we're actually the title of Tagula, I need to go back. Because mm-hmm. I need to go back to the first time we see the Tagula, which is the Memories of Ice. We see the Tagula Memories of Ice. Lady and Envy, isn't it? Oh, can we talk uh, about the Renegade Tagula here? Because, oh. We, yeah, sure, we're going to talk about that. Those are the fun bits here. We'll uh, talk about that. And the the guy, Thurul, is that how you say it? Yeah, Thurul, yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, never mentioned my name because uh, Studlock obviously is. Uh, too high and mighty to ask him his name and all that. <laughs> oh, that is so much fun that he starts wearing these colorful clothes and, you know, he's still ashamed of, you know, showing his face and uh, being dressed mm-hmm. up this way. But Madrin and, uh, what's his name, Nazar? Lazan Dor, Lazan. Lazan, sorry, yeah. So these two guys, you know, oh, that was, that was so much fun. I enjoyed Studlock and I enjoyed the whole Renegade Segulay thing. Uh, do you remember what Stadlock thinks when they turn up with the third guy? When they come back with the rule? I actually don't know. Okay. <laughs> Stadlock looks at them and asks, did, <laughs> did one of you bud? <laughs> did one of you reproduce and produce a third one? <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, so that is Stadlock. I mean, I don't know. Each scene is excellent with him, isn't it? I yeah, he's like he's it's all the hounds he actually feels like a segulae and then in this book he's like he's completely alien to anything we know of like <laughs> he's not a segulae no he's yeah he nobody knows what he is and even Vulcan agrees that she doesn't know well, yeah, who I don't, he I don't is. fucking know where he is from so, uh, yeah it's good yeah he and you know he saves them all isn't it using his uh, sports his ant medicine yeah. sports <laughs> Yeah, so no, there's no there's no other joke. No, I don't know. It does exactly what what I said it does. Um, detour over. Excuse me. Uh, so let's sort of quickly run down the segue that we know of in like the quote unquote main series of the Book of Holland. Yeah, sorry, there's Mox. Hmm. Yeah, there's Mox the Roll and Center, who yeah. are all ensorcelled servants of uh, Envy. Yeah. There's the Segula Second, who is a Knight of Hood, Knight of yeah. Death. Yeah. Yeah. There's the Sagula Twelfth, who is a slave slash champion of Rulad Sangar. Okay. There's the aforementioned um, Madrun, Lazan, and, S- and Studlock, 
who are servants of Orgen. Okay. And there's the handmaiden of Falash in Tlaphodrine, the beautiful god, who yeah. is also, yet again, a servant. Uh, you may notice a common theme here, and that common theme is servitude. <laughs> yeah. Each of them is, in some shape or form, servants. The yeah. only Sekula that we see that are not servants before this book is Oru's squad in Rhythm of Guard. They yeah. have their own ship, they have their own goals, they have their own mission, they yeah. speak somewhat freely, they're not under the influence of anyone else. They're free, and they act like so, it. Yeah, yeah. So is it something so, like they leave their hometown and, you know, anybody walks by and they can uh, take them into slavery or something? As long as they're <laughs> in Kant, they're doing fine. Isn't it? I don't think necessarily like it's Kant or not. I think it's like, it's subtle foreshadowing that this is what the Segula are. They are created to be certain. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes because sense. A lot of the discourse in the book of the Fallen Brothers are like, oh my god, they're so good swordsmen. Like, are you missing the point? Like, every <laughs> single one of them is servant in one way or the other. All of them. What does it matter if they're yeah, good except, swordsmen? They except, have... yeah, um, the Segula second, the knight of food. I, I wouldn't call him a servant. He's, you know. He, he's not a servant, but if you notice how, like, the house is structured, there's he's the knight to the king. In a traditional sense, he is just a servant. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's what I mean. Right. Yeah, but all the others are, you know, they're compelled to obey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, all the others, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily compelled. Like Madrun and uh, Laton and Sadlar aren't compelled, but yeah. True. That's... So then along the road to a theme, we have the Golden Father, like the original first, the tyrant, tyrant. who created the Segula to be his blade, Segul, uh, an anvil, Segul. And so they were his executioners, they were his soldiers, they were his army, they were his executioners. They were the perfect soldier, and if you notice, they're all wearing masks, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, Jan claims it's to hide their burden, their shame, mm-hmm. which is one thing. But if you notice, the first, the, the legate, is also wearing a mask. But the mask, the difference is, the legate's mask is gold, while their mask is white, ceramic. Yeah. You said... The reason I think this, and they also have a very, very strict ranking system, second, third, fourth, fifth, so on. Yeah. And the only reason to advance through that reasoning system is to beat the guy previous. Hmm. All of this points to a society that's structured essentially to function in the utmost utility of the tyrant and the tyrant alone. Who they are as individuals doesn't matter. Who their name is doesn't matter. What their face is doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is how good they are at killing and being soldiers. And that is denoted by their rank. Yeah. And the fact that they've kept this ranking system throughout their history and have forgotten its origins is absolutely fucking tragic. And one of the other reasons I really like the storyline. Yeah, yeah. They are incredibly regimented. They are incredibly tight in it. They're very xenophobic. They are very easy to irritate because essentially they're always looking out for threats because the tyrant is very paranoid. And anyone that looks at them funny could be a potential threat. Yeah. Because tyrant demands obeisance, and if you don't obey, if you like raise your head or like don't bend the knee, you're gonna get your head sliced off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the perfect tools for you know for tyranny in, in a city mm-hmm. to have unquestioning, extremely elite uh, soldiers. So, so yeah, what I really strange. like about this, yeah, is if we view this holistically, we have this one society who it covers their faces, is incredibly regimented, is very specialized, is very secluded. Is very xenophobic and is far from home. Yeah, I think that's what the Moran <laughs> points. Does Cam go, hey, look, look, these two are very similar. 
Like, look yeah. at them. <laughs> the same yeah. people. And I love that. I love yeah. that he doesn't just point out, like, yeah, look, look. See, did you get it? Did you get it? Yeah. He lets you piece it together yourself. You know what What I realized? Cam asks a lot from the reader, isn't it? That is true. That is true. Yeah. You you are expected to put in the effort, so. If you look at the Morans, I'm sorry. If you look at the Morans, they also cover their faces. They, yeah. As far as we know, the only reason we know they're human is because they say they are, <laughs> and because we see Twist's hand in memories of ice. We have uh, what uh, Corporal Jumpy in Return of the Crimson Guard. Oh yeah, it's also Jumpy. Yeah, it's also Jumpy. He, yeah, he's behind the female Morant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right. Tourmaline was it? Something like that. I don't know. Like he wonders anyway. if the armor comes off and all that. At some point, I was convinced they're just like insect people, and that's the right oh, skeleton. Okay. I was convinced of that. Anyway, uh, they're also very regimented. They have like their clear divisions in the guild. The gold yeah. and the silver are like the aristocracy, the black are the soldiers, the blues are the sailors, uh, the silvers are like the priests and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. There's a general lack of physical mobility. There's very high specialization for very specific things because, you know, alchemy and the corals to essentially destroy Segula. And the core difference between Morans and Segula is that one has forgotten their history while the other hasn't. Because the Moran mm-hmm. wars happened a millennium ago, and the Morans still remember every goddamn detail and every grievance delivered to them by the Segula. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because, well, they are vengeful people. We don't have to look further than, like, chapter two of Stars of the Moon to see how vengeful they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Fine. There is mention, like, memories of life or, like, extensive records that go back millennia. Morans, with the, with the Morans? Quick, yeah, Quick, like, asks if, uh, he asks one Morans if they have any, like, mages of ruse. And the more I feel like not in this like seven, like in the last seven uh, years, yeah. centuries. And like, yeah, they have like extremely long like history. So they have the science and tech people, isn't it? So that's why they have, <laughs> they've preserved everything. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is also interesting about this is, as I said, like it's a matter, like one has forgotten, the two have forgotten, which is why they're here. But the more I haven't. And when they see the time is still arising, the Segula are marching over the city, it kicks into high gear, shall we say. Shit kicks into high gear. They withdraw entirely from the city. They re-emerge in their mountains and stuff. And they get prepared for an invasion. So what I also really enjoy is a lot of the time, and this is also true, especially true of the Book of the Fallen, is the Malazans go into a conflict and they resolve the conflict with general ease. Okay? Like they invade leatherless marines. They try to persuade the military to join their cause. The Lotharii aren't particularly interested in, like, okay, you know what, we're just going to kill them both. Fine, fuck it. <laughs> and um, eventually they make peace with, like, Briz and Sea Hall, and they create, and so on and so forth. Here, you know, I see, yeah. the Malazans have absolutely no fucking idea what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, mean, like... They're, they're yeah. hardly there, isn't it? Like, you know, they're not the important ones, or they're not the ones who are, yeah. uh, you know, doing any of the actual moving along of the plot. I don't know. They're just there, basically. Because it's That's, a story about Segula yeah, and the Morant and the city. Precisely. And yeah. when they figure out quite how out of depth they are, it's like dread, you know? Yeah, yeah. When they figure out that there's just bait for the Morants to come, hmm. like the Segula yeah, are okay. killing them in, in droves and like wounding them just, just because they want the Morants to come fight them. Like Stepan and the fort is just in the way, you know? Yeah, they decimated an entire legion of Rivi because they were in the way. Yeah. And, like, this 
out of depthness is very new to the Malazans, and um, to me, it's very fascinating. Right? Yeah. I really like this kind of thing where imperial, like the imperials, come and try to like mediate, but they can't <laughs> quite understand what the fuck they've got themselves into, yeah, and it yeah. really shows that like the world is so much bigger than you, dude. It's not like you, be a Landall. There's so much more than just you. There's so much more history than just you. Yeah. And it's humbling. But I'm not here to talk about the Malazans. We're here to talk about the Morans and Tagula. <laughs> so, uh, a few more states on the Morans. You may have noticed there's an epigraph at some point, uh, mm. like chapter 16, 17, whatever, which, uh, which is Moran saying that we forge our weapons so we may never have to use them. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is, if you notice in the books, in the two books that we've seen Morans thus far in Islam's novels, there is so many more munitions than what we thought. Yeah. Cussers, flamers, crackers, sharpers, whatever the fuck the Malazans have, doesn't even scratch the surface of what the Morans have at their disposal. For instance, take the Morans blue munition that like Torvald uses to freeze an entire river. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have you know insulted the munitions. The Malazans have never have seen. That. Yeah, we have never seen that. Yeah. And the reason is the Morans are not a secluded people because it's xenophobic. The Morans are a secluded people because they don't want to use their weapons against mm. anything else other than the Tagula. Their entire culture, all of what they've, like the quality they've bred, the munitions they've made, all of this isn't for some faraway imperialist empire to use to siege people. <laughs> it's so that they can decimate and annihilate the Sagula because it's kill or be killed. Yeah, yeah. That's the interesting thing. If they lay down their weapons, either side is probably going to get slaughtered. Hmm. I think Thorvald mentions it to Galleon. Like, Galleon asks, why can't the Sagula just give up their weapons? Well, Thorvald just says, you're asking them to do the one thing they cannot do. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same on both sides, isn't it? It's the same on both sides, yeah, exactly. There can be no reconciliation because, well, if either side gives up, they're gonna die. Hmm. And the intense, massive enmity and spite and hatred that goes so deep because, well, it's not difficult to imagine that all the records of, you know, older generations have been, like, magnified and, like, intensified and, like, they're demons from the plains that <laughs> wear masks and face warriors fighting from the plains. This is not just fantasy. This is too real. This is very real. This shit happens. Yeah. Enmity between people for perceived slights, real or otherwise, just grows and grows out of proportion to the point where someone else comes along. Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Or even the tiniest of divergences, right? Religion, for instance, or slight differences in culture. And the closer they are, the bigger the enmity is. I think this is a... Actually, this is the boy made the next book. But boom. We'll get mm-hmm. to that, too. Okay. Where tiny differences in religion cause a huge rift. We'll talk about it later. Oh, there is some religion going on in Blood and Bone. Yeah, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that when we get there. But um, what I mean is, like, this isn't just something they made up between, like, okay, we're going to have, like, two ma- uh, two people. One of them, like, a bunch of masked dudes that own, like, samurai and the other, like, <laughs> alchemy-wielding insect people. This is real shit. This is very real theme tackled to fantasy, and I really, really like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, it it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I like uh, finding these new depths each time we explore all these people. Because you mm-hmm. know, we only see them quite superficially in uh, Book of the Fallen. So mm-hmm. it's always fun to find that there there are layers. They're not just some yeah mask wearing. Yeah, like when I ask you, how does such a society arise and flourish? It's because it doesn't. It doesn't flourish. Yeah, it it's shouldn't. Flourish. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't flourish. It shouldn't exist like this. It's an anomaly. But, um, so I'm so happy yeah. that you know it's it's given a, a proper explanation. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They have thought about it and they have come up with you know the proper 
story for why these people have existed. Okay, so do you have anything more to talk about the Borat? I think one of the questions you had was like, what was Galleen trying to summon? And the answer oh, yeah. is just like, yeah. Uh, she has two munitions, one red and one gold. With the red one, basically signifies failure. If yeah. the Moran's assault fails, that it's means like we have flare, the flare signals, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, like what was she going to summon? I was expecting like, uh, you know, suicide bombers or something. I don't know about suicide Maybe. bombers, but like the dome that they have only protects Majesty Hill. Yeah. And Thurgistan is much, much bigger than just Majesty Hill. So essentially they just carpet bomb the entire city to rubble. Yeah, something like that, yeah. That was the goal. Which is horrifying, you know, in case you haven't mm. thought out, this is not good. <laughs> this is like not good things happening. Well, shall but, I talk about how the, oh, sorry, you, you yeah, go, yeah. No, no, go on. I was go, go. talking about the, how the circle was broken, the circle of yeah. alabaster stones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fisher and um, Spindle. <laughs> they spent hours and hours throwing these uh, ultra strong acids and all that. And then mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> Brood comes along and just, you know, Hulk smashes it and <laughs> walks off. <laughs> so that is fun. So once the circle is broken, that means the Morans can get in. Is that the point? Once the circle is broken, the orb is no longer powered, and yeah, the munition. The can sorcery. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, the sorcery is broken there. So yeah, um, Fisher. What is Fisher? He's not just a bard. You have well, no, he, technically he is just a bard. I mean, he's not he's, just a bard. He is also. He is a very special bard. Yeah, he's. Uh, how can he be? For one, he recognizes all these guys. So yeah. So he's quite old. If he's that old, then Karkana spoilers. <laughs> um, and in... sec- no, 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 not now. Sorry. And how is he that strong that he can, you know, smash a crossbow on tie and, you know, there's a crossbow breaks, isn't it? Yeah. And these heel brothers recognize him. I have no idea who these heels are and what's the point of their reunion and all that. Are they going to continue? Is that story going to continue somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. That's good, right? So, so yeah, tell me about Fisher. So, in Told the Hounds, uh, Picker mentions that there's a few poems attributed to Fisher that are over a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, Fisher's been around for a while, and uh, Brood recognizes him. Yeah, and he said like, yeah, you know how I feel about witnessing things. Um, he recognized Baruch, Taya. Uh, actually, not Taya. He doesn't, he doesn't he recognize, recognize Taya. Taya. Yeah, yeah. He recognized Lamman, Hinter, um, everyone else. He presumably knows about crop as well. I mean, he obviously, obviously don't, knows about crop because. Unfortunately. What they, oh, no, he does meet crop in Tolderhounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's true. My bad. Um, he's also, you know, as you said, like very strong. He's very. And yeah, uh, he has to have something extra going on because who else would date uh, Lady Envy and then break up with her and walk uh, away in one piece? <laughs> there is that. And you've not seen anything yet. There's still more. Oh, okay. Fine, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fisher I, I'm is... I'm happy uh, to wait. Yeah, fine. Fisher is prolific. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Also, incidentally, Fisher is one of my favorite characters, so there's that, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the question of who is Fisher will be answered in a later book, so don't have to wait, unfortunately. No problem. Fisher is fun, so I, I, I'm curious to know what's going on with him. Do we have more stuff? Oh boy, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot we can talk about. Like, there's um, we haven't touched upon Ansi at all. Ansi, um, I mean, what did he do? I have no idea what was the whole point of the whole. No. Spawns. I mean, oh, we can talk about um, Mallet. That was a touching. We can scene. talk about like your boy being there. You know, a certain um. 
Iron King and like uh, with a goatee, black male armor. Oh my, yes, yes. That's not my boy. That's my babe. <laughs> Bokelin okay, the babe. Excuse me. <laughs> so there is Bokelin and Korval yeah. Brooch and Mansi. Mansi the man servant. So <laughs> apparently they are in Moonspawn too. And Mansi loses one of their luggage into the, you know, the window of uh, Eternal Dark or something. I was completely thrown seeing these two characters there. I mean, all three of them. Because like Corvo wants to like uh, make acquaintances with the uh, dead beavers and stuff. He, yeah, that's his thing, isn't it? Like he reanimates the dead bodies and yeah, uses them because he walks the necromancy walks what adjacent to hood spots or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so that is unexpected and fun. You should read the novel as I, I should, I will eventually. Yeah. yeah. So, you mentioned Ansi. I mentioned Ansi. So one reason I think Ansi is like important is for one. I mentioned hubris earlier when I talked about Malachi. Um, yeah. The same is partly true of Korean. No less hubris and more like greed. Of, well, I need money, right? You could spell. He's not greed. He needs money. Like he's not like he wants money. He needs it's it. Like it? A noble thing to go and steal. Yeah, like Ansi professed to the same thing. Like yeah, I need a retirement fund or something. But, but you know, like where are, who are they stealing from? Is it technically stealing? It's not. Well, I'm, you're going to have to discuss it with archaeologists, not me. No, but, but because, you know, I, I didn't think of uh, their actions as in, in terms of, you know, they're doing bad things by going to Moonspawn and looting it because it's broken and it's lying there. And I, I sound a bit like still water, don't I? <laughs> 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 so it's just there for the taking and they took it. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess it's he was a, there just for the day. Victimless crime, if you ask me. <laughs> first come, first serve. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, especially when you say to like orchidize, there's like because if we see orchids at like basically every point in the story, just sitting there admiring the artwork and like how yeah, there's I mean, so many legendary connotations to this. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, but can we have the gold? Yeah, but, you know, it's uh, like yeah. She has no need for all these things, isn't it? It's Korean who has to go back and, you know, survive in the city, be a counselor and all that. So I think it's more of a goal, like because if you think of it from a workers' perspective, it's like, well, yeah, but this is my cultural heritage. This is who I am, and these people are treating it like it's ripe for the taking. <laughs> Which, I mean, okay. Does she get offended at any point? I don't think so. I don't think she gets offended, no, but She's also not really sure who she is and why she is here. Yeah. She, she doesn't, doesn't know it's like Andy in the way later. Yeah. Oh, she's okay, Elaine. Yeah. What is Elaine? She's not just Andy, isn't it? That uh, that Elaine's comment uh, actually triggered the theory. So, what is it? That um, Orchid is the, so- the daughter of uh, Rake and Solana. <gasps> oh. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I haven't seen any, you know. Hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, uh, uh, Rake's child would have been a bit more noticeable, isn't it? By these uh, priestesses and stuff. I mean, those are some of the most powerful people, Rake and Silana. So I don't think they would have taken her as just a daughter of a late welcome and all this. You know, maybe. So that's a good theory. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk about this in this book. It's like, I'm not Is sure what exactly we have uh, Okay. Uh, we haven't really talked. You know, okay. Hmm? Well, for one, I need to profess my love for Topper because I fucking love Topper. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Topper in this book is amazing, and I will not stand for it. Like, 
there are some <laughs> extraordinarily good points where he's like spying and he he sees like hmm, some go in, none come out. The lesson is yeah. don't go in. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. I love this guy. It's, it's so rare to read characters like that and be interested, isn't it? Like you see some character doing stupid things and then you know it's automatically assumed they're going to do that uh, idiotic thing. But Topper walks off and it is still interesting to follow his story. Topper the other thing yeah. which I really like about Topper in this book because I am me, you know, is yeah, yeah. Topper's conflict with you know because Taya and Taya killing Lucy. Very, yeah. he's very professional. He's very, um, you know, he's here for business, not pleasure, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Taya sets into the picture and he goes fucking ballistic on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like when Aragon mentions uh, Lassine's name, like because, you know, he says that um, your, like Aragon's, was uh, a very good choice for Malik. And then he said, like, most of my promotions were under Lassine. And then Topper yeah. remarks that, like, in our line of work, everybody dies alone, which is absolutely poignant. Yeah. God I damn. mean, he, he reacts to that line, isn't it, when he says promotions were under Lassine and Topper has, I know, Topper and Possum. Yeah. They were the only true supporters for Lassine at that point, isn't it? Yeah, more or less. Oh, oh we're just moving on? Fine. I mean, Possum is kind of missing an action since, you know, Topper is the Fall Master and, uh, you know. Are we going to see Possum again? I don't think so. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay. Fine. Why wouldn't you tell me? I mean, he's there or he's not there? I mean, if you're he's going not to not dead. tell no, me, it means that dead. he's going to come back. He got healed at the end of the turn. We, we see him get healed. It's fine. It's not like he's dead, but. He's not the claw master anymore. Summons up. Right. But yeah, like when a topper sees Taya, it just goes apeshit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you're like a bonus. I've been wishing to pluck for a while now. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all good things, etc. And like, yeah, I'm going to kill you now because you <laughs> killed my employer. Because it's not just like topper is the claw master of the empire, which is one thing, which is already a very important position that he needs to fill. But I think he was more than just his friend, or like his mentor. He, he was claw master on a lot of things for years. Yeah. He was Lassine second for years. They were close, understandably I close. Mean, he and he went even to, went to yeah the Imperial Warren thing, isn't it? Just yeah, he was killing yeah. Malik's claws for like an entire book's worth, and now he has to leave Malik's claws. And yeah. the feels very good. Yeah, it was a, a fragment of bureaucratic oversight, and now he's like literally the part <laughs> of the bureaucratic oversight. So yeah, yeah, I uh, I put it one for Topper, except uh, the cool bar is already empty again. So you know, <laughs> God damn it. Just like smileys today, we are empty too. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, um, so Taya gets stained in the basement. I, Taya gets is she going to like break out of that and you know, no, do no, more no, stuff no. in the future? We don't see her again in right. the okay. uh, time being. It moves away from the yeah. So, this is an outlier novel, is it? Among the six, we just yeah. uh, randomly show up in Darujistan and we're back to Stratum and Coral and all that. Not Coral. We're not going back to Coral, is it? No. Well, you know what we're going for the last book, which is in the main. It's, <laughs> yeah, spoilers. We're going to ask yeah. But yeah, um, OSC delivers on a lot of foreshadowing done in Hold the Hound, which okay. we've not quite talked about it enough. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts on Torvald and Sarah a bit more. Oh, really? Because, because yeah. Because <laughs> I think you particularly like with this. Yeah, I mean, you do too. So, so this is fun. Uh, the whole thing about uh, Tissera started making more pots. And she goes and uh, makes sure the gas is turned off for that night because she knows what's coming. She has seen the Moran's munitions and all that, right? So that's what she did. Save the city by just having more pots and turning off the gas. 
Yeah, which by the way, like um, there's a scene where it goes away to Sarah, and I'm like, oh, I mean, I sense. Uh, she was working extra hard as if she sensed um a need shortage of thoughts, a need for yeah. thoughts, like only she could answer. Yeah. And then, and then Norval comes along like, hi, uh, wifey, yeah, um, so I was kidnapped by the Morans and uh, I saved the city. Yeah, I really did, you know. And um, so does this have to do somehow with like your non-paying job? <laughs> and it is yes, yes, it does. Oh, see here. Well, at least I have a lot of money because uh, I'm owed for a lot of thoughts. No, the thing is, you know, he couldn't have come up with a more far-fetched story to tell her, isn't it? That he was kidnapped by the Morans and he spent the night flying on a quarrel and all that. And he negotiated mm-hmm. the deal between, you know. Like, so, yeah, that was fun to meet the Saran Torvald again. And yeah, this is one couple I'm happy that none of them died. So, yeah. before we move on, I think I mentioned last episode that I think the Sarah is the female equivalent of Krupp. Krupp, yeah, you said that, yeah. I said that, and I stand by that because... So, let's talk crap in this book before we move on to Baron Scalara, which I want to talk about next. I think you do too. <laughs> so, let's talk about crop in this book. Yeah. So, crop is off in the background because crop is... Well, crop Steve's is character and all that, yeah. Okay, crop is Steve's character. That's the lame way of interpreting it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's nice to have him behind the scenes and, you know, mm-hmm. be the, like the puppet master of the whole, of all the events mm-hmm. and, you know, not really see him Directly, unless he's like supplying drugs, so it's a good distance to keep so, crop. I thought, yeah, let's review uh, what crop is in this book really quick. So, the tyrant escapes and he goes to get drunk with Alec, but he doesn't get drunk because his bottle doesn't have anything in it, apparently. Which is, I'm sure there's some like poetic significance to that. I haven't pieced together it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then steals the charge from Ragnarbur, yeah, he supplies um, Terudan with drugs. He gets chased away by dogs in Maiden Town. Uh, I'm just thinking if Derudan was next to the tyrant, along with Baruch and Amman and the rest, he would have been even more powerful, isn't it? Because, yes, know? absolutely. So without Wolken and Derudan, all this happened. So, yep. Right, right. Baruch should have been more careful. Oh, agreed. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah. and... um. I think we've talked about this before, but uh, one of the theories I have about Krupp, or we have about Krupp, is he is the avatar or the incarnation of the river, the river spirit Manning, right? The trickster spirit yeah. of the river. Uh, um, can I say yeah. what what uh, Steve told me when, oh God. <laughs> when I asked him about Krupp? Oh, you, you, you're not Go aware? On. Yeah, so I, I just uh, asked him, but one of the theories is this and all that. Uh, so, you know, and he said Krupp will not be explained. So he just uh, shows up. And that's it. Yeah, Even okay. Kellenwood right. will not be explained by Cam. So the same way, Krupp yeah. will not be explained. So, And he doesn't need an explanation. Yeah, I think in some manner, you can view him as the protective spirit of Urgestone. Yeah, that makes right. a lot more sense. Especially after this Busy book. or not. Yeah. Because there is this implication. There's a lot of like him, you know, Vorkan says like, uh, to Sadlock, who will stop this guy? Like, oh, he has to do it again. Oh God, not him. Uh... The tyrant seems to know him or recognize him. Yeah. Um, he is obviously preternaturally aware of things. Yeah. Even outside his control. Because and we've been over this, this before. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Go on. He has this uh, what time-bending, space-time-bending dreams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he is quite powerful. We, so I'm agreeing with that. We did go over the fact that with Nif uh, in our episode that um, Krupp morphs the narrative in... Golden Hound, the book of the fallen entirely, 
to make him look more powerful than he actually is. But even though yeah. he is still very, very, like, well, what we can say for sure about Krupp is that he is the eel. He's very slippery. Yeah. He's extremely cunning and intelligent. So dreams are real. It's not something he made up, you know. And he probably did somehow maybe dodge the hammer. Maybe. Not, it's not confirmed, but maybe. Uh, so Krupp, even in this book, does things that he shouldn't be able to do if he were just a guy, you know, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely not just a guy, but what type yeah. of a superpowered guy is he? That we'll, I don't think we'll find out. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think so either, I'm just saying. Because if we accept that the Toru are a bunch of demons, what does that make Krupp, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean... So, Tessera, I think, is um, similar because there's the reading that she doesn't know the hounds that foreshadows the Baron's rise and how she sees the end of her city. Yeah. There's the plot thing. There is the, you know, the gas, turning off the gas. Um, and her overall, like, nonchalant attitude beyond uh, just teasing Torvald. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, we'll live. Yeah. I will uh, close the pipes and I will probably apply as much pressure to the necks of the great, sort of, great faces as much to the, as to the pipe thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. They may turn off the gas. <laughs> you know, like, in her manner, it's very similar to Grub. Like, uh, scuttling along, like, I'm busy, I'm so busy, there's so much things to, there's so many things to do. Mm-hmm. So... Do I think Tessera is like some bigger than life thing? No, I think Tessera is actually just a guy or yeah. gal in this case. Yeah. With perhaps some like preternatural talent like what Filler has, for instance. Mm-hmm. But she is more than me to for sure, which is, I think, a theme in the Rujas arm. So, yeah. with that uh, as a way, let's talk about Baratheon Slara, which I think you quite enjoy in this book as well. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, I mean, there's uh, hardly anything new between them, but Baratheon is one of the important characters, isn't it? With all the mm-hmm. making the... I think you did write... <laughs> you oh. did write your notes about chapter 16 that Barrel was like bathing. Bathing, yeah. <laughs> After handling the, <laughs> the slivers of death, yeah. I mean, what else do you call it? He comes home and he's all... I have to wash my hands. I have to, you know, clean under my nails and all that. Yeah. So that's uh, Barrel. I, I was not very sure towards the end. Like, they try to escape from the city because of all the attacks happening and then all of a sudden he's given a carriage and he goes off to this villa and all that. I wasn't sure. Did I miss something in the middle? Like there was a scene missing or something. I wasn't sure. Uh, there was a scene where like Krupp tells him that if he does his job, he'll get a villa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that then, happens. And then he takes up the job and all that. Yeah. And then Barrett holds goes in like, uh, it sounds like a shack with like a wall missing. <gasps> Have you seen it? <laughs> I, I love that scene. It's, okay. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah. No, I think it's, no. um, it's just that not really anything more corrupt yeah. delivering, delivering on his promises. No, like, they, they were fine. I mean, I'm happy that Chao came back because Eben yes. went inside the... And what is, yes. what is with rest? Is, is that such a tiny house that he, he can take only one board at a time? He has to take out Chao in order to take in uh, Eben? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has a pet also, so yeah, probably understandable. I love her. Uh, is really hilarious. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's not anything new, because race in general is pretty hilarious, but, like, yeah. God damn it, it looks really special. <laughs> I, need, I need a sign that says no borders, <laughs> no trespassing <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from the mount or something, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, this, uh, this, this still animals, I, I'll not say the name, Devanand or something. Why does he go and fight the tyrant? Is it, uh, you know, because sort of like... Jagged. He thinks it's a jagged. The tyrant is not jagged. He is. He is Lion, not. Lim isn't. The tyrant is. 
So, is that he like... invokes Omdot Falak when he gets out. Does he? he... Wait, it's what? essentially a spirit of it. Yeah, there's a scene. I don't remember. I've talked about it for the last while. I don't remember. Just, just tell me again. What, yeah. How does he invoke Omdot Falak? There's a scene in which, like, Eben, I think, or Aya or someone, like, watches over the hole, the well, in which he yeah. is, and just, like, some, like, big thing, flash of light or whatever happens, and, like, sorceries on the air and whatnot. Okay. Right, the point is, the tyrant king of Yurujistan is a dragon that, using the mask, reincarnates the new bodies. But how do you know and it's a dragon? I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced it's that. Because tyrants are all dragons, and I think Mammoth even wrote the tyrant king for more dragons. Okay, fine. So that's why uh, he leaves the Azeroth and goes fighting, right? Yeah. I mean, he even said, like, jagged. You know, he says to the tyrant face. And then he sees just a human and, and throws him away. Yeah, just a human just throws him away, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um... After he beats the shit out of Pala. Poor Pala. And, uh, and then he kills somebody else, yeah. yeah. I like Pala. Right. I feel bad for Pala. Yeah, not um, really. Poor Pala. <laughs> 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 Alright, yeah. Do you want to talk about right. a nice uh, cameo by Sodico Quam? <laughs> I'm sure you like it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Sodico is uh, this very interesting individual that um, thrives in misdirection and stuff, and her charms and her seduction. Yeah. And then, like, along come these guys, like, <laughs> Anthe, the Lavin, Corian, or uh, I don't know one, and, like, the, the, the heels are like, okay, um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are we? <laughs> yeah, they're just like, okay. Well, that's the first. I've never had this many men walk out on me before. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. Like, I know. More of to go, please. <laughs> I don't know. The, I, if you know, everyone in the shadow cult are extremely interesting, isn't it? Compared to all the mm-hmm. other cults we see. And there has to be some kind of uh, entry to bar, <laughs> entry bar, isn't it? You have to be some, some level mean, of crazy to it, be. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. There's like some, yeah. Right. So that is sorry too. Uh, tell me your, uh, please. Yeah, I'm ready to listen. If you want to start talking about Leoman and <laughs> why oh. he is one in a thousand. <laughs> no, it's it's the, it's the mustache, you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is such a shameless. Yeah, but yeah, this guy comes back to him, and that is that is a nice ending. Yeah, you know. I've completely changed my mind from his uh, from his uh, bone hunter thing to to here. He's he's a near rat. He fits fits into the smallest cracks and escapes. And escapes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bone hunter is uh, is a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> you out the feathers. It's, yeah. it's great fun, yeah. So I was happy to see that ending. And, uh, yeah, I like also the fact that like OST and the bone hunters confers a lot, you know, with regards to Leoman, Like, have you considered this? So, Yes, I have. And then, like, I think I'm like, hmm. We yeah. the flails. You have a lot of nerve coming up to me. Well, you know, what's in the past <laughs> in the past, you know? What happened, happened. And yeah. uh, also the bit about, like, um, Jessica being adamant to stay behind. And Liam was like, yeah, believe it or not, I've been here before. I've been in yeah, this situation yeah. before. But, like, no, just leave them alone. No, again, I must bring them back. I'm like, God, it's good. Okay, you know what? Fine. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I like that, too. I, uh, Are we going to visit them again? I like the moustache. I, I, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah, is fine, the way he is. I want to see more of Kiska, though, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Are they just going to say... Oh, Kiska is a claw now. Oh, yeah, they're supposed to like, go again. back to Unta and, you know, help train for uh, future claws. 
she's agreed to take on a job so i i assume leerman will go with her no i don't think so i think he's going to stay in the shortage recreation until he gets bored how can you say that no he's going to unda with her no there's no way he's going to unda no then yeah then he stays back then he's still he's still a modern worker you know i know yeah he, it's really impossible no, for think... him to go on for but then malik is the merciful one he might you know forgive him and they he were might. on the same side yeah, at that might. point of time like why would malik uh, pursue anything against leoman malik and corbola were also on the same side at the time and look how corbola ended up but that was corbola was uh, in his way leoman is not doing anything leoman doesn't have such uh, ambitions or anything i think leoman doesn't and corbola would have been killed yeah. by anyone like you know he he okay, was a that's true he was a dumbass <laughs> yeah. yeah no i think leoman is perfectly content for the minute just staying there uh, you yeah. know being yeah. a friend with maker and chorus and stuff and bragging. he even says he wants to kiss her he just wants peace and bragging yeah that was nice yeah the way he stays back and she sees that you know he actually looks at peace and all that yeah that was that was really nice yeah 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 so maybe there is kind of a theme with uh camp characters you know we all and bathroom they just want to be left alone and the world keeps coming after them stuff like that and they actually find some resolution in it isn't it yeah yeah in a way i think ivan's character in the last one stone wielder even he mm-hmm. reaches that isn't it he also reaches some level of peace after being persecuted yeah. by yeah. the storm riders and all that mm-hmm. yeah Not the nice rider have, he does give a lot of uh, nice good endings he does yeah even really he gets a good ending which he didn't like because you're lame uh- <laughs> if you want in this book i was not happy that rally can work and i'll just you know they just back after after all those things and you know really? like nothing happened yeah really okay yeah yes wow. really i like rally can uh, i like rally like we already went over the what you need is bold you know um, scene yeah yeah fine but uh i like detective rally in this book it's great it fits his character yeah to the point where like top everything thinks he's feel you remember that scene Topper things Rallick is evil. Topper tries to go parley in the Phoenix Sun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I think I've forgotten like, some specifics. I don't know. I like this. No, it's just the uh, Topper follows Rallick through the rooftops. He goes to Phoenix Sun and it's like, yeah, we're, well, we're brought here by a uh, circumstance. If you want to meet me, meet me across the okay, bar. Yeah. 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 Across yeah. the bar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a temple and it's a bar. Yeah. Also, it's often like, yeah, it's often easy to forget that Rallick spends a good part of like two, three, four years in like the other house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. No, I I have nothing against Ralik. Ralik is fun. So. Mhm. Did really got anything. I was uh, happy to see Stani for yeah. a small cameo, Stani and Harlow. Yeah, that's true. Tiny cameo, yeah. but you know, it just adds it makes it like there was just done. And uh yeah, Mr. Morley, Morio, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where did uh go on? <laughs> no, no. I was just happy to see Stani uh, and Harlow back. So but uh, like nothing really happens even velam norm shows up and tells you know yeah tisra to go to safety or something i mean even cars of years and some other like you know in the earlier in the book unnamed like, unnamed uh, tableau with well they are unnamed, unnamed. Yeah, okay fine they're unnamed the witch and like unnamed giant like seven foot tall for foot sword excuse me <laughs> it could be casa could be someone is some unknown mysterious <laughs> figure we, we can't uh, say definitely for sure <laughs> Yeah. Well, that made me very excited. I thought, you know, Casa will be a character in this uh, in this book. Unfortunately, no. Mhm. I think we should wind up. Okay. No, you have more? No, I'm I'm mostly done. I think I okay. said everything I wanted to say. The only question that I didn't answer is, well, what did they do do with Frank? Anything? 